Hey, Fidelity. What's it cost to invest with the Fidelity app? Start with as little as $1 with no account fees or trade commissions on U.S. stocks and ETFs. Hmm, that's music to my ears. I can only talk. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Zero account fees apply to retail brokerage accounts only. Zero dollar commission applies to online U.S. equity trades and ETFs and retail Fidelity accounts. Sell order assessment fee not included. Some account types and securities excluded. Details at fidelity.com slash commissions. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSE SIPC. Are you tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? Well, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Thanks. I don't need help. Just watch me love myself. That's all I want. Claire Fallon. And I'm Emma Gray. And this is Love to See It, an obsessively detailed recap podcast about The Bachelor and other pop culture that makes us laugh, cry, and curse the patriarchy. We can't live with these shows and we can't live without them, but we can break down every juicy moment and unpack all the weird messages these shows send us about love, sex, and dating. Welcome to Love to See It, a podcast about hot people working through their past insecurities and traumas by sharing them on TV with just absolutely zero therapeutic support or follow-up. This is a mental health show and podcast now, Um, and we're just really (laughs) glad to see that on week three of Clayton Eckerd's journey to find love, they're pro-therapy, specifically pro-harrowing faux-therapy. Uh, and pro-harrowing public semi-nudity on a one-on-one date. Just a lot of harrowing, therapeutic-adjacent things happening. And I'm going to add pro-harrowing beach dates, which I do think are harrowing if you hate getting sunburned (laughs) or trying to perform CPR on a dummy while wearing, like, a tiny bikini that doesn't cover all of your butt, which I do and would. And so that was also very hard for me to watch. And that's all of the dates this week. They were all just like, they looked like a lot to go through, but it's in the pursuit of bettering themselves and wellness. So it's it's good. Unfortunately, um, our guest this week canceled on us kind of last minute. So today it will just be the two of us guiding you on this beautiful journey. Don't worry, we have a lot to say. Yes, we have so much to say. Um, Let's just dive in because we were in the middle two weeks ago when we left off. Oh, my God. It's been been a lifetime. With a cliffhanger. It's been so long. And the cliffhanger was like lightly spoiled on TikTok by the woman in question, Cassidy. (laughs) Just like lightly spoiled. Just like lightly and like specifically extremely spoiled by Cassidy. (laughs) So Cassidy had been left in limbo sierra had gone to clayton and said i know you gave cassidy a group date rose this week but she has a fuck buddy back home she's not really here for you 
And Clayton asked Jesse Palmer if he should take her or if he could take a rose away that had already been given. Dun, dun, He's dun. questioning things with Cassidy. Cassidy then went on TikTok and was like, fuck you for sending me home, Clayton. So we all knew <laughs> what had happened already. But how did it, exactly did it go down? We finally found out this week. Um, first, we see Sierra kind of return to the group of women who ask what happened with Clayton. And she tells them that... Cassidy had told her and NC something that shocked them. I think we have a clip of this. So Cassidy let something slip to me and NC. NC and I kind of just froze in shock because we were like, holy crap. What are we going to do? I'm curious on what she did. She told us she has a friends with benefits that doesn't want her. So she's going on a show to make him jealous. What? 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 I'm sorry. This is like the oral storytelling tradition call and response. Like, Sierra is setting up a little cliffhanger for the women so that they can all be like, and what happened? What did she say? It's just beautiful to listen to this level of, like, masterful narration. I know. You have to hand it to Sierra. She set up this scene (laughs) perfectly. She delivered it. She's making a whole meal out of the idea of Cassidy having casual sex before she came onto the show. Like, also, you're (laughs) allowed to go try to date someone else if someone you want to date rejects you. Like, that means you're not in a relationship with that person, as far as I understand. It does actually mean that. That's my understanding. That's my understanding when Um, people I've wanted to date have told me they (laughs) do not want to date me. My understanding has been... Okay, Emma, you're released into the dating pool. Go forth and and no. date others. Little did you know that whole time you were supposed to be off the dating market for three to six months, you know, minimum. Right. Before so you that, could like, legitimately pursue So your vagina can re- regenerate for the next, that, yeah, the next man? Yeah, and like your heart can be sort of cleansed of any memories of other men's good qualities. And you can think only of Clayton. Um, like... Back when the show started, this was, like, not an unusual thing to say. I think we interviewed or at least one woman on the first season who was like, oh, yeah, things weren't working out with this guy. I hope this show would make him jealous and maybe it would be fun. And that was, like, not controversial. Yes, that, that was Lenise. And now Lanise. they're all expected to be Lenise, yes, who was and, dating Bill Maher, which is an incredible, yeah, incredible not little people wrinkle. people know about that. Yeah. Yeah, but at this point, there is this idea that you should be, like, pre-in love with the specific person who is the bachelor before you arrive at the mansion. And Cassidy has violated that. And she doesn't know yet how big a miscalculation she's made. She's like, I've got the rose. Everything is coming up Cassidy, you know? Like, I'm safe. This is, like, an iron shield protecting me. So she, like, joins the group. She plops down on the couch. And she just starts, like, waving her rose around and being like, who has the rose, bitches? Okay. After watching this episode, I think our our crossover with Game of Roses has, like, poisoned my mind. And I feel like Clues coached Cassidy. Or, at bare minimum, Cassidy came in with a Game of Roses coaching mindset. Because she is fully cosplaying Courtney Robertson in this scene. Yeah, this is, it does feel pretty clear that she is 
has like chosen a favorite bachelor contestant of your who was very successful and is borrowing from that playbook. Courtney Robertson was known for, you know, flaunting her rose in women's faces, making little comments like the one Cassidy is making here. And like the thing about playing Courtney Robertson is that Courtney Robertson, like, the, she broke the mold. Like, she was, like, I think the first or at least most successful woman to openly play the villain in the house and in, in the moments and win the show. Yeah, I think it's her Her and Vienna are the two. And Courtney, you know, after her relationship with Ben Flanick fell apart after the show aired, Um, He cited seeing her on the show as kind of a reason why things didn't work out because he saw the sort of villain side of her. Like, after that, it became a cautionary story for leads. Like, you don't want to end up with the person everyone hates. You don't want to end up with the Courtney. You're going to look like a fool. And so the very fact that Courtney was so successful with this approach is why it has never happened again. And it obviously was not going to happen again now. There was a cost. There was a cost to this level of success in this way. And so it's, mm-hmm. first of all, it's hard to do. You have to be very skillful. You have to be extremely, mm-hmm. extremely charming and present and genuine in your relationship with the lead in order to make this work. And I think that, like, to act like a rose for the week is, like, some something that's going to protect you in any meaningful way when it's only week like two and you'll go back to having no rose next week and with most of the show ahead of you also like what kept she's not invulnerable yes i think that is important and what also kept striking me is that i feel like cassidy was miscalculating and was saying the things that courtney said in her itm in front of the group like courtney didn't especially that early on, didn't like wave her rose under the faces of the other women week two and say like, hey, bitches, I have the rose. She did. She she did that in front of other women like way further later. Yeah, she let it like simmer a little bit more um, until things were more solid with Ben. And yeah, this was like a really bold early villain move. And if you go hard as the villain this early, I don't think you can ever really go that far because the early season villain has to go home before like hometowns and Cassidy is at least making the most of her time you know (laughs) Sierra's like she's prancing around the house like a reindeer so she's really like flaunting the rose and being like you can talk to Clayton but it can't hurt me because I have the rose she tells Sierra so this was your second conversation with Clayton and you decided to talk about someone he already likes that's an interesting choice. So again, she's like game playing Sierra's actions, which are she's right. It wasn't a great choice by Sierra in terms of gameplay, but neither is what Cassidy's doing. The whole point of having um, a strategy is that you're not supposed to be so transparent about it. Yeah. Also, then she says, Clayton likes me. You can waste your time if you want talking to him about me, but I don't think it's going to have a difference, which the thing about someone talking to the lead about you behind your back is that it often hurts them for wasting their time with him and implicating themselves in drama, but it does hurt the person they're talking about too, historically. And so to already be like inspiring, tattletaling at like 
the second rose ceremony, that's not going to work out well for you. It is going to have a difference. Um, This seems just sort of like she's trying to get through this with confidence and (laughs) oblivious, like, boldness. Um, We see her also say a really weird quote that I am dying to know the context (laughs) to, but it was cut around. I don't think of myself as smarter than most people, but I have a fucking rose. He clearly likes me. What's he going to do? I don't know what the different parts of that assertion have to do with each other. Like, what does being smarter than most people have to do with her having a rose or with him liking her? Like, I have to think that that she's in some way responding to someone saying you're acting stupid right now. Yeah, she's clearly responding to someone that we don't hear. But again... A thing that you just maybe don't say. Yeah, don't. But it, yeah, it just seems like she's basically saying like, listen, I've gained it out every which way. I'm like, it's not that I'm smarter than everyone. But yeah, I am smart enough to know that he has no options here. He has to keep me around. I know I've read the bylaws of the Bachelor Mansion. The one thing that you need to know about the Bachelor Mansion is that a bachelor can do whatever the hell he wants with his roses. And there's nothing that can stop him. Uh, when Clayton is like, I wish later in the day, he's like, I wish I had eight roses to give out. I'm like, they let Sean have 12 first impression roses. If you really wanted eight group date roses, I bet you could have eight group date roses. <laughs> <laughs> like, you're in charge, Clayton. Um, so meanwhile, Clayton is talking to Jesse, uh, telling him about what he heard about Cassidy's friend with benefits and how it's making him feel like maybe she's not here for him because she again because she had had casual sex with someone who's not him before she met him it's just (laughs) how could she possibly be interested in him after sullying herself you know and he's like the frustrating part is that i already gave her a rose and now the waters have been muddied and so it's clear that he is really questioning whether Cassidy stays until next week and that he's just hesitating at the thought of taking a rose back. And the next thing we see is Clayton come get Cassidy from the group for a serious talk. He sits with her and before he can get anything out, Cassidy's like, I already know what you're going to say. I mean, you go first. No, go ahead. But I already know what you're going to say. Okay, this confused me. Why would she say this? Did she say something else to Sierra that she thought Sierra had brought up and not this? Because she sounded genuinely confused at what Clayton ultimately says to her. I mean, my only thought is that Cassidy only knew that Sierra had talked to him about her and not that she had, for example, like relayed gossip and so maybe she thought that sierra was like cassidy's not making friends in the cow the house cassidy is acting differently when she's not around you kind of like a classic yeah bachelor tattletale like wrong reasons type of thing and was then surprised to hear that there was like specific factual content to it um that seems weird to me though because she told sierra that she had a pre-existing relationship that sierra could easily weaponize And she didn't bother to, like, let Clayton say what he was there about before she was like, I know what you're going to say. The whole thing was very bizarre. We have a clip of what Clayton actually says to Cassidy. 
Were you seeing someone up until the point that you came here? <laughs> no, I haven't. Absolutely not. That is not where I thought we were going with this. I haven't had any relationship of any kind since the summer of 2019. You weren't talking to any guy that you have interest in. You were not speaking to anyone before you came up here? Clayton, I have not spoken to a guy who I have any interest in a relationship with for a very long time. Do you not believe me? So this is this is rough because she didn't have she didn't see it coming so she clearly doesn't have a way of addressing it with him prepared at all. Um it seems like she's trying to talk very carefully. Yeah, she specifically in order to says not lie. I haven't been in a relationship since 2019. I haven't spoken to a guy who I have interest in a relationship with for a long time. Right. The thing to me is that it still seems like those things aren't true because a fuck buddy relationship is a kind of relationship. And it seems like the guy maybe was not the one who was interested in the relationship and not her. So like she's she's sort of speaking this careful way to get off on a technicality, but maybe is still slightly not quite. Yeah, I think if it. she had understood more of what was coming, she she could have figured out how to address this. But instead, she does unfortunately set herself up to be kind of caught in a lie of sorts by Clayton. And that ultimately gives him an easier excuse to send her home. I honestly think the reason she is sent home is probably ultimately more about the fact that, A, I think production can very much tell that she's come in with a character in mind, with a strategy in mind, and they do not like that. uh, And they don't want Mm -hmm. to reward that. And... B, Clayton is a deeply insecure person who knows that a lot of people didn't want him to be the lead and is probably going in primed to feel like people are just there to to game him. Yeah. And waste waste his right. uh, waste his journey. Waste, waste his, his journey, time. waste his romantic the all the romantic love he has to give. Exactly. And so he follows up on this by bringing up specifically the FaceTime that Sierra told him about that she heard about from Cassidy that Cassidy FaceTimed this Friends with Benefits shortly before the limo exits. And Cassidy at this point is like, oh, dear. So she pauses, licks her lips, classic Clayton move. She's mirroring him. And she says, she's mirroring (laughs) him. And she says, There's a friend of mine who doesn't want a relationship who is supportive of me going on the show and has said, if it doesn't work out, we could resume our, I think she says, like, friendship and whatever. Yes. Um, And she says, I had no interest in continuing it because I knew it wasn't going anywhere. And, you know, that she's, like, now interested in Clayton and not this other guy. Like, it's just, it sucks because, like, she is in an extremely single position, if that is all true. Like, there's no reason she shouldn't be able to go on The Bachelor when she had, like, a fuck buddy who's, like, rejected her. There's also no reason that you shouldn't be able to resume a casual sexual relationship with someone if you get dumped on The Bachelor. 
Right. There is like a a 1 in 30 chance that she'll come back in a relationship. And the other 29 out of 30, like, chances, she'll come back and be like, well, I still want to have sex sometimes. So How dare you? <laughs> where's my fuck buddy? Like, it's just the problem is, I think, if she, no, here's the thing. I think she was screwed from the beginning because of the way this was brought to Clayton. But I do think that first denying that any type of relationship at all or guy existed was it was uh, an error hard to walk back and then to walk it back by saying well he rejected me is going to play into Clayton's feeling of like oh I don't want to be second choice to some guy that rejected her back home I want her to have rejected the guy because she knew it was going to be me Clayton and like I'm everything she wants you know that those are things that maybe didn't play in her favor here um, but I resent that the way that this was all framed. I agree. Like, she did something wrong. I absolutely don't think she did anything wrong by coming on the show with Not a at all. casual sexual relationship that was, like, on hold or possibly ended shortly before coming on. It just doesn't – it's not relevant. It has no bearing. Yeah. I mean, it, it's ve- it was very frustrating to watch how this played out. I get that – Cassidy has already kind of blown her villain wad and they're like, we need to move on and get into some villains who are not doing such an obvious bit. But I really dislike that they went with an approach that is to me very slut shaming. Yeah. It is stigmatizing women for I having agree. uncommitted sex outside of relationships. It's a weird thing because I don't think that that is actually the reason that Clayton or production wanted her gone in, in a simple way. To frame mm-hmm. it that way gives a very clear message to people watching that you are in some way morally and ethically compromised if you are a woman who has casual sex. And the yeah. idea that they're setting up this boundary. If you want to meet someone you can fall in love with, you have to take a sabbatical from casual sex. Right. It's just, it's absolutely gross. Like, sure, I understand demanding that people not you know, be in a committed relationship when you go on the show. Of course, you should be single. But this this just felt really, really off and really gross to me. Even if I can sort of see, read between the lines and see the other things that might be at play right. in this decision. I mean, to me, it's just like if I'm on a date and the guy's like, I have a fuck buddy. I'm like, well, that's awkward for me to hear. But like, it doesn't actually really change the situation. But if he's like, I'm in a committed relationship, it really really changes changes the situation. I don't want to be on the date anymore. It's really not that different from dating in that respect, being on The Bachelor. Right, it's not. Um, So this doesn't go over well. Um, Clayton gets up and sort of strides emotionally away. And Cassidy is left sort of crying and she gets up and kind of follows several paces after him but then I guess they kind of peel off separate like at first it seems like she's kind of following him but then she like gives up and she goes into a bathroom and cries and the other women are not particularly sympathetic because as we've seen Cassidy has not done a lot to endear herself to anyone else in the house except for potentially Shanae yeah they're all sitting like on the couches just, like, talking shit about Cassidy. Like, Kira's like she's playing a game. Lindsay thinks she's there to get followers. I think they're both correct. <laughs> uh, yes. They all think she's mean. Um, Which I do think that those things all seem to be true. True. <laughs> it, 
uh, to some degree. Clayton, meanwhile, has been staring into the fire for a while in deep thought. And finally, he goes to find Cassidy upstairs in a bathroom uh, crying. And she sort of thanks him for coming to find her and tells him, I think, decide, has decided to be a little bit more forthcoming. Um, she says, you know, there's a guy that I've slept with a few times, but since I met you, all I've talked about is how I'm falling into something with you, and I don't want this to derail it. So she's drawing out, she's she's whipping out some some love levels here, too. She's like, I'm falling, you know, just a little taste, a little taste of that, of that love story. Into um, something. Into something. It's maybe a little soon to say love, but falling into something. And Clayton agrees that they had a connection. And she immediately, like, thanks him and, like, grabs him and kisses his cheek. But there is a but, as there always is on this show. And he says, I initially came to you to find out what was behind this story. I, I very rarely understand exactly what Clayton is saying uh, during a lot these emotional of, conversations. A lot of word salad at play. Like, it's like, yes, he did come to her to find out what was behind the story. So I guess he's implying by saying that that he wasn't going to necessarily send her home. But given how she reacted, now he has to. But what he says is not quite that <laughs> eliminating. Cassidy, though, knows what's coming. She's, like, trying to explain why she reacted so badly. And she says, I didn't see it coming. I feel like an idiot for being cocky and thinking I knew what you were going to say. And Clayton says, my biggest fear was falling for someone who wasn't here for the right reasons. I have too many concerns. And then she realizes. There's no turning back. She says, are you sending me home? And... She, last ditch is like, she's crying still. She says, I'm more excited about you than anyone else in the house. I'm the only one who glows after talking to you. And I'm going to get sent home over the opinion of some girls who will be gone in a couple of weeks, most likely. She's like, I haven't even packed. I didn't think I was going to go home. And Clayton just sort of silently receives this as far as we can yeah, see. T- and then he walks her down the stairs, out the door and into the SUV. The, the panicked crying um, over the fact that she hasn't packed felt like the most um, genuine reaction, actually, that we've I know. seen. I was like, oh, I can imagine being yeah. in that situation, like just having sort of an anxiety attack and just reaching for anything and being like, that's not, that's not how this is supposed to work. Like I wasn't supposed to go home this week. Yeah. No, she's doing a bid to the role. She's like, that's not how this works. Like I haven't packed. So I shouldn't because I wasn't at risk of going home. So I'm not going home. And he's like, no, you, you you have to go pack now. (laughs) You will be packing and going home. Um, Cassidy was being super grating by being so smug about her rose. And yet, I was not without a heart for <laughs> how devastated she was Same. to have to go pack instead of enjoy the rest of the cocktail hour. Um, in the limo, she's sobbing. Uh, she's like, I thought he liked me. This just keeps happening. It seems like it's going so well. And then it's just over out of nowhere. Um, and 
honestly, it does seem really shitty to like you get rejected by your fuck buddy and you go on The Bachelor and then The Bachelor is like, I'm rejecting you because of your fuck buddy. And you're like, what's a girl to do? I I think Cassidy's going to bounce back. Yeah. She's been doing a lot of posting on Instagram and apparently TikTok. I still need to be more active on TikTok. I found out about West Elm Caleb from like an Instagram message <laughs> from a friend. So like I'm like <laughs> not on top of TikTok, but she's been like posting a lot and I think trying to sort of. She's going to use what she has, you know. Use social media to kind of rehabilitate her image, explain more about what she was thinking at certain points on the show. You know, I think it maybe it will maybe it will be helpful. I think people forget that villains are human. And so it probably can't hurt to remind people that you are a complex person with many motivations and feelings. But we'll see. We'll see how this affects her her post show arc. Um, Meanwhile, the other women are thrilled. Uh. They see them walk out the door. Kate says, holy shirts and pants, y'all. The Wicked Witch is gone. I am so sad that we see Kate going home because she this we because she's such a great narrator. She came prepared to be a narrator. Like, she has lots of little, like, colorful sayings. I love people who really study for that role because it is an underrated <laughs> one. Yeah, she was ready. And she looked like really good oh uh, yeah at the rose ceremony where she got sent home so i was like what are you doing clayton anyway we have to get to the rose ceremony uh because although cassidy has gone home uh clayton is not going to talk i guess to any of the other women a lot of them don't get time and they just go right into the the rose ceremony and clayton tells the women that taking the rose back made him sick to his stomach because the roses mean a lot. He is out here enforcing the rules <laughs> of the Bachelor universe. He's like, roses are not meaningless. This is not a game. Roses <laughs> equal connection. A deep one. Yeah. A very deep one. It's like this rose was a sacred oath that you would be here until in like for like two tomorrow, more days. At least. Two more days. You could I could send you home on the first group date after this. But, but tonight, you're going to be here at least until you'll then. get to sleep in your disgusting bunk bed in this like <laughs> roach infested mansion for at least one more night. That is my that's my vow to you. And he's like, you know what? I hate to be one of those guys that can't keep his word. But Cassidy made me do it by having sex with a fuck buddy. So it's time to hand out the roses and they go to. Eliza, Rachel, Serene, Sierra, Teddy, Lindsay, Jill, Gabby, Kira, Mara, Marlena, Genevieve, Hunter, Melina, Elizabeth, and Shanae. So we got we got our two like women with beef in the warning last place spots. And I mean they're both deeply disappointed that the other person did not go home. Now that villain number one has gone home, like you gotta milk they the need second. Shanae more than yeah, ever. you gotta milk the second villain for as long as you possibly can. Yeah, one of the issues with Cassidy is that she didn't have a specific feud that they could really 
work with. And clearly the Elizabeth and Shanae feud has not played itself out yet. So they want to keep that going. Sarah and Susie already have roses from their dates. And going home, therefore, are Tessa, Kate, and Ensi, which is... We're disappointed. We're disappointed. I liked all three of them. It's Clayton's journey. Yeah. It's not our fault that Clayton doesn't appreciate a beautiful structural gown the way we do. And like a perfect smoky eye. Uh, You know, Kate really was was bringing it this week. Um, Shanae is watching them all like weep and hug each other. She's like, it's sickening how they are with each other. And then she appears to say they're fake. It's a little cut off. This was definitely chopped around. And I think they they did. They definitely pulled things that she had said at, at other times. This was Franken bitten to hell. Yeah. Getting a lot of that this episode. She says, now I'm back to square one. What am I supposed to do? Let someone win or have drama? I'm here to win. So she's and that committed she did, to the drama. And she did say straight to the camera. <laughs> Yeah. And with that, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be back with the first date of the episode. Can you keep up? I like love it. Okay, so you got engaged. Congrats. Now you may be wondering what comes next. If you're planning a wedding, the first thing you need to know about is Zola. With Zola, you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place. From the day you get engaged and search for the venue to the day you send out your save the dates, make your registry, and even taste your cake. Zola has literally everything you need to make the whole process super easy and actually even enjoyable. There's even a five-star app that helps you plan on the go or, you know, from your couch, which is certainly how, uh, if I was planning a wedding, I would definitely want to do it as loungily as possible. <laughs> so important. I also just know myself. I I know that planning any kind of event, like even a birthday party, can get very stressful. And so it's been really cool to see friends use Zola. It really seems to make everything a lot less stressful. And as a frequent wedding attender. I love to be able to hop on that Zola registry and just purchase a gift. Easy peasy. I know I've done it. I won't forget. Thank you, Zola. Yeah, everything's all in the same place. It's perfect. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. Springtime vibes are in the air. And when you bring in some of the beautiful flowers that are blooming, you probably want to smell the flowers, not the litter box. But thanks to Pretty Litter, you'll be able to smell those spring flowers all you want. Nothing beats Pretty Litter's ability to instantly trap odors. It's ultra absorbent, it's lightweight, low dust, and one six-pound bag works for up to a month. Pretty Litter's crystals change color to indicate early signs of potential illnesses in your cat. And if all of that wasn't enough, Pretty Litter ships free right to your door. You'll never run out, you won't have huge kitty litter bags taking up space, and even better, You won't have to lug those huge tubs from the store to your car or the subway and into your house. Our producer, Talon, has been using Pretty Litter, and he just raves about how great it is, how easy it is to scoop, how much better it smells. I mean, the health monitor aspect gives so much peace of mind. He's a big fan, and we know that you will be too. Go to prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order. And... Get a free cat toy. That's prettylitter.com slash LTSI to save 20% on your first order and get a free cat toy. 
prettylitter.com slash LTSI. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The weather's getting warmer, so it's time to say goodbye to jackets and sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. Oh, I'm so happy the weather is finally turning. If you, like me, have been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without, you know, spending a fortune, then Quince is for you. You can build up a lineup of timeless pieces that will keep you looking effortlessly chic year after year. Like premium European linen dresses, blouses, and shorts from $30, washable silk tops, timeless 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. And the best part, all Quinn's items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes those savings right on to you. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, as well as premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for all these staples. I mean, linen is my favorite summer fabric. They have so many amazing linen staples. I also found my new go-to like summer running around to the playground in the coffee shop bag. It's the pebbled Italian leather front sling bag. I can just fit a wallet and my phone and my AirPods in it, maybe some lip balm. Absolutely perfect. I'm so obsessed with it. And the price was exactly what I wanted to. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash L-T-S-I. And we're back and we just want to give everyone a warning that we are heading into a segment here where there are going to be discussions of emotional abuse and body dysmorphia um, and fat phobia. And disordered eating as well. Um, but first, before the super fun date that that sort of <laughs> gives us a preview of, uh, Jesse Palmer comes in to greet the ladies and just tell them that what happened with Cassidy shows how seriously Clayton takes this and that they should really learn from this to take advantage of any time with Clayton. Because as you saw last night, quote, you never know when your last moment with Clayton is going to come. Uh, sort of like Clayton is like their grandmother. And I'm like, who's dying here? Is it them or is it Clayton? I was like, this is a funeral conversation. <laughs> yeah. Like, this is very this unsettling. Uh, the tone is off. Your last. <laughs> like Jesse Palmer's the Grim Reaper. <laughs> so the first date card is, of course, a group date, uh, and it goes to Serene, Susie, Eliza, Mara, Marlena, Hunter, Genevieve, and Jill. I see you. And Clayton apparently wants to just dive deeper with these women. Um, he greets them and takes them to a theater, introduces them to Caitlin Bristow, has them all sit in a circle of folding chairs, and has Caitlin lead them in an activity. A trauma dump activity. Oh, my God. I. So this is basically a gender-flipped version of what they were trying to do on the date that Nick hosted in a previous season, I believe in during Katie's season. And mm-hmm. clearly this is a, a tactic that they enjoy, which is bringing back, you know, iconic 
former leads to sort of lead um, a group of people into a vulnerable position so that they can be emotionally slaughtered. Yeah, I was listening to um, <laughs> Sounds Like a Cult, the uh, the podcast that um, Amanda Montel co-hosts, uh, who we've had on the show in the past. And I was really reminded during this segment um, of how cults use this tactic of sort of gathering people and encouraging them to stand up and share really painful, traumatic, you know, stories from their past or situations that they that are very sensitive to them and how it can feel really um, emotionally bonding. It can create an adrenaline rush, which we know The Bachelor is always seeking to do. Um, but also it can be really damaging because you're encouraging these people to to open up about something that they have walls up around for a reason. And then you're not really providing them with any support or follow-up right. care. It's a temporary state of catharsis that forces a bond be between the people who are on the date and also sort of forces a sense of empathy or sympathy from the audience. And so it works on mm -hmm. those two levels, but then you're leaving people very raw and opened up to public criticism for some of the most, you know, traumatic things that they've undergone in their lives. And we have no sense that there is any kind of real emotional support offered after the fact. You're sort of like forcing yeah. this admission and then leaving it to just float there and be used as content. And like, yeah, and for what? Like, I think also it feels like a response to the way that it started to feel very rote to people that you go on a one-on-one -on -one or you get a really good chunk of one-on-one -on -one time during a group date if you're not getting a one-on-one -on -one well into the process. And you confide in the lead about a traumatic story from your past. And that, of course, is turned into content. But you get something kind of out of it is is what people felt. Like it was becoming so transactional that people in the audience felt like, oh, well, they can use that to maybe ensure that they're safe through the date because the bachelor or bachelorette doesn't want to reject them right after that. Um, or at least they have a substantive conversation with the lead that is real and emotionally bonding. And this date concept, like, takes that away from these contestants. Yeah. like. You, once you go through this date, you know, have you used up in a tragic sounding way? Have you used up your powerful story that, that you might have shared on a one-on-one -on -one date? And as rote as it does start to feel when people are sort of forced to do their trauma dump in a one-on-one, -on -one, it does at least more closely mirror how that sort of thing might happen in real life, right? Like normally you're going yeah. to open up to someone about something that happened to you in an intimate one-on-one -on -one conversation, not sitting around a circle being told, okay, now it is your turn. What's the worst thing that ever happened to you? Yeah, it's your turn. What's the thing about yourself that you hate the most? Like, it, it's demanding a lot of people with very little given to them in return in the moment or, like, more broadly in terms of what they might want to do on the show. And, like, what came out of this date with Nick... And Katie is, remember the Thomas debacle that like Thomas tried to share something that didn't go over well um, in the group 
And that was the beginning of the end for him. And he ended up being sent off in this really harsh, I think, kind of mean way um, for crimes that were sort of murky and maybe didn't exist at all. Like, you seem to be smiling at the wrong time. And, you know, maybe you've thought about the possibility of being bachelor at one point in your life. And that all started on this date when he, like, didn't complete the assignment the right way and accidentally said something that gave ammunition to people who didn't like him. And I don't know if we saw that on this date. I'm hoping that none of the things that were said turn into ammunition because it's really painful (laughs) to watch just as a a relatively, like, supportive-seeming conversation. Caitlin... I think the only thing we see Caitlin read as a prompt, she she reads out statements and they are supposed to stand up if it applies to them. And we see her read the statement, stand up if there are parts of yourself that you're not proud of, which is such a gimme because who among us? I wish someone had just been like, have no, a I'm 100% proud of every single thing about myself. Well, Caitlin stayed sitting and I was like, Caitlin, are you super confident or are you not part of the activity? Like, I need to know more. <laughs> Um, so everyone else stands up for that. And then she just goes around and is like, yeah, what are you thinking about? Like, what are you thinking about that you just like hate about yourself? And Clayton says, you know, putting up walls in my last relationship because I was still in hurt over a heartbreak and I didn't do the work after that to be a better partner. And then she's like, Genevieve, you? And Genevieve's like, same thing. Basically. Same. Yeah. I also and hate that about myself. Yeah, I too um, care too much and I'm too closed off. No, but then then like I was like, I'm glad that people are saying things that at least feel like part of the standard script of the show instead of feeling like they have to share something that's really painful. But don't worry. Don't worry. We, we get there quickly. Hunter's story was really awful. Um, basically just says that in her past relationship, she was compared to other girls a lot by her ex who wanted her to go to the gym and get a body that she couldn't achieve colored contacts so she could have blue eyes she dyed her hair a different color for him and he ended up cheating on her and left her wondering what else was wrong with her in her words i mean this was a very you know very rough story very tough to hear her talk about this level of very overt emotional abuse. Yeah. And it was just left sort of sitting there. And then we had to move on to other people. And like, we see then Clayton, like in his talking heads, like responding to these kind of stories. And with Hunter, he's saying like, Oh, it just makes me so angry because like, I see how great Hunter is and that's why she's here. And I'm like, okay. So your response to that was like, good for me. I didn't reject Hunter yet. Like her terrible ex-boyfriend. I didn't abuse her. Like, it's just, and I don't know what such a weird, like, it's just a weird setup that it's not even a direct criticism of Clayton. It's like, there's not space in that moment for Clayton to really offer any sort of earned emotional response. And then afterwards, everything is framed within the confines of the show. So the only way for him to respond to that is to be like, well, don't worry, Hunter, uh, you went through that, but, like, I think you're beautiful. Yeah. I'm not going to ask you to dye your hair red or wear color contacts. Um, 
Serene says that she's always been very small. And so since she was very young, people have, you know, made fun of her for that, called her anorexic. And she ended up in situations forcing herself to overeat so that people would think that she was eating enough. Um, So really describing like disordered eating because of comments that people were making to her about her body. Um, And, you know, we hear some, some different kinds of stories. Mara says she had three step stepsisters. So she was bullied in her home when she was growing up. Um, They didn't have a good relationship Marlena brings up being a woman of color and having to be 10 times as good to be seen and heard. And she actually turns to Clayton directly and says that she knew going into this that she would never talk to him about race. And Clayton says in the moment, in the circle, that he doesn't want her to feel like she has to hold something back, especially about race, that he welcomes the conversation and helps him see things from a different perspective um which yeah i really don't know what else he would say in that moment um but you know they have a a nice exchange and uh, it just again just seems like i wish that all of these conversations were happening either one-on-one or not at all or not on camera exactly this venue does not do justice to any of these women or to Clayton, whether or not they went into filming wanting to have these conversations. And like, perhaps they did. But this, no one of these stories is really given the care or attention that it deserves. And it just left me feeling really sad and icky. Yeah. And we actually end with Clayton sharing another thing. There must have been another prompt at some point. Um, to evoke some of these different stories. But Clayton shares that when he was younger, he also had a lot of body issues and, you know, hated his body. He was restricting his eating in middle school to lose weight um, because he described, like, looking in the mirror and pinching his stomach and calling (sighs) himself fat. And then he kind of ends by saying, like, well, I'm proud of who I've become. I've turned my weakness into a strength. And I think that's supposed to be in reference to like just being like a kinder person but it's not really clear and I have to say that hearing so much focus during this date on body dysmorphia and disordered eating and fat phobia essentially in some of these stories really again drove home for me the fact that the scope of how this show can address any of these things which are bigger systemic issues is really limited by the fact that there is only a very specific body that is really featured Mm -hmm. on this show and that does not take away from the very real struggles that a lot of these women and Clayton clearly had like we know that fat phobia and the focus on bodies in terms of women's values impact everyone and harm everyone but they especially harm fat people and yeah it just like I don't know I just I I kept thinking about 
this really great tweet thread of Aubrey Gordon's at your fat friend. We've had her on the show that she was had tweeted the other day um, about about the way that that we sometimes fail to address our own complicity in in anti fatness and the way that kind of the body positive movement can be used in this very limited way by thin people without addressing kind of the larger systemic issues. And not that that is like directly shown here, but it just, I don't know. It's something that was noodling around in my brain. Well, I think that it it is shown here in the sense that that is kind of how it functions on The Bachelor structurally. Like they don't cast people of larger sizes like they don't cast fat people on the show they only cast very thin people especially uh on the bachelor and so whenever we have conversations about fat phobia or body insecurity or facing you know criticism from other people for you know body size it's always thin people either talking about themselves in the past before they lost weight or it's people who were never fat, but who nevertheless, you know, because of our obsessive like societal fat phobia and obsession with body shape and size, nevertheless faced a lot of scrutiny or insecurity um, about whether their body still wasn't thin enough or wasn't thin in the right way. And those things are all like, as you're saying, they're all valid. Like we all suffer, but if the only representation is thin people being like, it was really hard when I was fat and I'm so glad I'm thin now, or people being like, even though I was thin, I felt bad about my body and I had to like finally accept that I have a nice thin body. Like that's not really reckoning with all of the currently fat people (laughs) out there who are being really seriously harmed in a lot of structural ways by our medical system and by prejudice throughout different parts of our society. And so- it is frustrating to watch and be like, well, of course they feel like obsessed with whether they're fat. They could never come on this show if they were fat right. because of the show and the decisions the show is making. And so it's like infuriating. We're all just supposed to sit around and be like, oh, it's so sad that these beautiful people felt bad about their bodies and not think about the fact that The Bachelor is like incredibly complicit in making everyone feel like they have to adhere to that that kind of, you know, extremely narrow idea of idea of, of desirability and acceptability. Exactly. And that is just something that is always hovering in the background and so yeah, it's very it's really striking when we do get into these these conversations about about body image and there's just always a big piece of it that feels fundamentally missing. And I think that is yeah. that is what was hitting both of us. Yeah, and and that's only one of the really painful issues that came up here that was not really given the attention or space right. that it deserved, but um it was a really hard date to watch and then to see them all have to be like, well, that sucked, but at least, at least, you know, we all got to spend time together was kind of the takeaway. Like they all get cleaned up and go to like the fancy venue for the night date for drinks. And all the women are basically just like, well, 
the silver lining about this date was at least we got to see how great Clayton is. And I was like, you're literally describing the date like it's this horrific thing that you went through, which it, it was. was. It was. <laughs> they all recognized that. Yeah, they're like, we were all traumatized, but Clayton, yeah. what a guy. Clayton is thrilled. And Clayton is thrilled. I think that like, he's like, this was the best date yet. And I'm sure in a way it was because he was actually having conversations with the women who were all being nice to each other. And that's that's better than everyone chugging milk and body slamming each other, I suppose, um, in a certain sense. <laughs> um, but it's clear that everyone is really, really trying to process all the things they were forced to unearth. So he does have time with some of the women. All the conversations go really well. He talks with Serene first and just sort of bond over how neither of them come from households where emotions are talked about openly. And Clayton is like, well, my my house was like all boys. Like we really toughed things out. And she's like, well, in my household too. Um, it's almost like women sometimes also are part of these households. Um, <laughs> being so mean to Clayton. Um, but they just basically talk about that and how easy he is to talk to. And he's like, I really like what I'm seeing. And we have a strong connection. And he just comes away from this being like, Serena's really beautiful on the outside, but inside as well, which is an observation that he has about several yeah, women. A, a handful of times in day. varying forms. <laughs> Next, he talks to Susie. And Susie asks him how his day was, and he, they both say they felt amazing. And she brings up that she never thought she could connect with a partner over body issues, and it really moved her that Clayton was willing she to share. She literally says, that made me happy to hear. I, was I like, love well, to Susie. hear how traumatized you were <laughs> existing in your own body. It just makes me really happy. Yeah. We know Susie um, means but yeah, <laughs> We know. No, no, no. No, the interesting thing to me about Susie is just how, like, well she's playing everything. Like, she sits down and is literally just like, how was your day? Like, it, the day date was amazing. It was so good, Susie right? So she's both, is winning like, this thing. being positive and also being like, how are you feeling? This is though? how I feel. Like, Susie, Susie's my number one pick right now. Number one yeah. draft pick. They make out in, like, multiple locations. Like, Another keep moving to a second location sign. to make out. He's like, I don't, it's not enough yeah. for me to make out with you on this couch. What about against a wall? What about over yeah. there by the table? What, like, <laughs> just keep it going. Let's christen every corner of this venue. It's like, um, it, it's like a hit class, but with makeout sessions. Yeah. So Eliza has a moment with him in front of a mirror. I really wanted to know how this came about. There was clearly um, some sort of prompt or activity before this. Like, I got the right. feeling that they were having to look at themselves and say something affirming to themselves or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> she just is monologuing to him about how he's so genuine and a sweetheart and she just feels safe around him. And then she starts crying. She's like, I don't want to cry, but I just appreciate you and I'm just excited. And like, we look so good together, right? I think we'd be, like, a really good-looking couple. And Clayton's like, yeah, and we're both impeccably dressed. He is wearing a knit hoodie under a blazer, and I appreciate that Eliza can't resist laughing when he says this. 
but she looks great. She's in sort of an elaborate jumpsuit. Oh, yeah, some good cutouts. And then Clayton has some thoughts about her, and we have a clip. Eliza is truly one of the most beautiful women that I have ever laid eyes on, um, both internally and externally. Internally. Internally. And externally. Mostly just internally. He's like, I already said it the normal way, so maybe I'll say it in a more clinical way this time for Eliza. (laughs) It's important not to repeat yourself. So he has some other quick chats, and I just... My takeaway from what we see is that all these women are just competing to butter him up the most. Oh, yeah. Like, they're all using their time to be like, you. You are so amazing today. I, Marlena's like, after seeing you today, I just, I really want this. And Genevieve is like, I love how you were, like, not just listening, but participating. And Mara, I think, really goes above here. She's like, it takes me a long time to be this vulnerable Kudos to you, honestly. I don't know how you did it. They all admire him, okay? She's literally like, you are the best at opening me up of anyone I've ever met. It's like magic. Or we went on a date where Caitlin Bristow made me tell a very personal story. (laughs) (laughs) They know know that Clayton needs to be buttered up. Again, he's deeply insecure. And he just wants to know he's doing a good job in the role that he's been given. (laughs) And these women are here to tell him. I relate to that. You did it. You did it well. Yeah. As someone who is deeply insecure and needs a (laughs) lot of affirmation um, in like all of my personal and professional endeavors, this is a part of Clayton I relate to. Oh, yeah. If I were the lead, I would just only pick people who gave me compliments the whole time (laughs) we were hanging out. And that's why you would end up engaged to like a disastrous person. (laughs) Who was just, like, but really would, good he, at affirming you. <laughs> you know, that counts for something. Uh, Clayton interprets their flattery as just, like, the most radical, raw, radical incredible, honesty. radical honesty. He's like, these women have all been so open with me about how incredible I am. So he picks up the group date rose, and he's like, I wish I could give out eight roses because everyone was being so vulnerable today, and you know that's what I like. But he does give the rose to someone who went above and beyond Eliza, who I have to say got the most compliments in one sentence of anyone that we saw. And she's thrilled. She's like, I feel very affirmed and validated by this. Clearly, Frankenbitten into the middle of her in the moment about how affirmed and validated she feels is her saying, asking if I could fall in love with Clayton. I think we're past that. And you're like, and I'm this like, doesn't that... make sense within that other sentence you were saying. And like, the sound of the audio like completely changes like it was definitely taped in like a different room yeah you can always tell the franken bite (laughs) by the changing room tone yeah so that was uh you know that was a moment a moment where the the veil kind of fluttered open a little bit but eliza's feeling good if not in love with Clayton quite yet. And I am happy for her because we are Eliza stands on this podcast. She is so beautiful. I think at one point Clayton was like, she's like one of the most beautiful people I've ever seen. And I agree Same. with that. She's like extremely beautiful. Um, and a one-on-one card has arrived at the house and it is for Sarah. Falling in love is full of surprises. And a lot of the other women seem to like like we are feel like sarah's just like a good person who they they can be happy for it's like it's week 
three. Like at this point, you're still going to want to be like, oh, of course I want it, but I'm happy for you. You could get one next week or the week after that. It's not until like week seven when Where I feel like people really start getting like, yeah. Right. And and um, it seems like a lot of the women are, for the most part, getting along, making friends. Shanae, on the other hand, is incensed. And we have a clip of what she says. It is frustrating when people are like so excited for her, like, ah, I'm happy, I'm so happy. Weird. Are you here to make besties? Or are you here to find love? So hard not to be happy for you. Thank you. Everyone's always celebrating everyone. I don't get it. I see like the fakeness. Like, do you want to be in this competition? It is, you know, Shanae is really talking about virtue signaling here. She's like, they say they're happy for her to seem like good people, but deep down, they're monsters. And whenever someone talks about virtue signaling, it's just like, it's just like saying like, hi, I'm a worse person than everyone else. Like, I don't believe that you can have positive, generous feelings. That doesn't seem real to me. And I'm like, why would you want to advertise that? Like, you really want people to think that the only emotion that you have toward other people is cold, cold, they get in the way of what a th- I want to do. competition. That is it. <laughs> like, makes me want to be friends. It, this is one of those things where I hear this and I'm like, I understand why some people in the house might not want to be around Shanae. She doesn't seem that pleasant to hang out with. Yeah, and we're going to get into that big time later. But um, meanwhile, it is time for Sarah's date. And they're going with some interesting music cues. There's like really distractingly intense guitar riffs playing when she meets up with Clayton. Um, And as they sort of have their embrace, I was like, this is maybe a signal that they're about to do something super rock and roll. And... They meet up in L.A. outside and are met by Becca Kufrin, who has planned an extreme scavenger hunt for Clayton and Sarah to complete in their underwear in downtown L.A. So they're like, we haven't done forced forced semi-nudity in downtown L.A. since... What Chris Souls this season? It's really time to bring that back. Yeah, I was gonna say I really, really got um, vintage batch vibes. Just really thinking riding about the riding the tractors and bikinis. bikinis around downtown LA. At least they were doing that in a group and had the protection of heavy machinery around them. This is just like yeah. There's nothing I nothing I would rather do than ride around on an open piece of heavy machinery while wearing almost nothing, covering all my fleshy parts that might be damaged if I were to, for example, fall off the tractor. It's all horrifying. I hate these (laughs) dates. And I thought that we had sort of all collectively decided they were bad. But apparently, no. I feel like they were like going through the back catalog and they were like, why haven't we done Naked in L.A. again in a while? Does anyone remember Yeah, it's been a while. Like... People loved it, I thought. We should, They're yeah, like, we should just worry. do it It's not again. a bikini. It's just, it's underwear. So <laughs> it's very different. Sarah, poor Sarah's like, what if you're not wearing underwear? And Becca's like, you can go commando if you want. Thanks, Becca. Um, so they're both pretty hesitant. As we know, Clayton has some body insecurities. Clayton has just shared 
that he that like the site of his childhood trauma is body insecurity. And they're like, I know what date would be perfect for Clayton. Forced nudity in public. Yeah. And this is why you don't tell the show what your real phobias are. And so I can only hope that this was something a narrative that Clayton cooked up so that he could feed his exhibitionists. Uh, tendencies because he actually loves his body and showing it in public. Um, But they both seem pretty reluctant. Clayton is like, I thought Becca was a friend and I could feel safe with her, but I'm reevaluating that friendship now. He's having, he's joking around a lot as the season goes on. And, and I like seeing him relax and have fun. Yeah. I think Clayton's getting a little looser, getting a little more comfortable. (laughs) This is a side of side of Clayton that we, we enjoy. (laughs) So they both, head into their changing room stalls and come out wearing matching full coverage black underwear, uh, which makes us a little suspicious I that this is not the underwear they were wearing. That they were given these outfits. Just a hunch. Uh, so they start jogging down the street in their black briefs and... And they come across some pinatas to smash open full of conversation starters. This is like a holdover from when they were in quarantine times. I feel that they 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 got onto the pick a conversation starter from Yeah, they did that on the Clacia season suspended a something. Yeah, they've done it several times and they did it with Clayton. Clayton's date with Michelle was a conversation starter. Um, dangling from the ceiling of the Natural History History Museum. Remember? They snagged yes, with butterfly I nets. I do. And so. that's how I already knew his signature dance move. Right? They're like, you can't do that one again. <laughs> like, um, So we, I was like, haven't we seen Clayton answer this question like 17 times? I've seen Clayton do so many versions of like, my signature dance move is the wiggle or like, here's my mating dance. And I don't need to see him answer it again. She answers the question, her biggest fear, not finding her person. Great Bachelor-proved response. And then the final challenge, they have to sing their feelings to each other in public in their undies. I was already horrified well before I realized that this meant into mics. I was having a secondhand (laughs) panic attack watching this. (laughs) This is horrifying. This really brought me back to college Um like basically trying to get into an exclusive social club and having to do these kind of light hazing type activities, you know, where it's like, oh, go to like the the cafeteria and fake an orgasm during lunch, you know, like really (laughs) loudly on a table. And like, that's what The Bachelor is doing to them right now. It's fratty to the max um really meeting meeting clayton's uh tailgate i think this is the perhaps the frattiest part of the whole episode (laughs) i think so too just like that it feels like they're rushing a frat to have to do this um so they both obviously are freaking out uh a little bit but they step up to the mic and just because we hate ourselves and and all of you, we are going to play both of their songs. Hi, everybody. I'm going to go ahead and slow it down a little bit for you all right now. Sarah, when you stepped out the limo, 
It was so beautiful and I cannot believe that you were standing right next to me. <laughs> All right now, Sarah, look, uh, step up to the mic and let's see what you got. Okay, okay. Come on, this is a good beat, right? Okay. Okay. Clayton right now, you're looking really hot. I just wanna take you to my spot. Okay. You already know yeah. I'm not about the drama. I just wanna take you home to meet my mama. <laughs> Claire is in a full, full body cringe right now. Just right up to her Zoom camera, like entire face contorted in pain. I just feel so bad for them. Like to have to do that because no one like expects you to do well, but that doesn't make it much less embarrassing to not be it's good true. at singing in public into a there mic. There was no like, press time. So also, Ugh. they they were both game. I'm I honestly was impressed how much how much fun they ended up having with it. I think yeah, I really hate doing things, especially in public, that I'm not really good at and so this was just hitting all of my anxiety points i do think they probably got some time to prepare because i think that sarah was like can you drop a beat for me because she had also prepared blessedly something. blessedly clayton did not rap we can be grateful for that that was sort of our first glimpse of clayton though his rumored rapping alter, alter ego, ego. dropping doing that beatboxing for her uh, you know, rough, but they do their, they do what they can do to get through this. And we all are still here. Um, and so we move on, they get dressed and have their little, you know, drink and chat at the end of the day date. And they talk about how uncomfortable it was showing their bodies in public. Um, but at least they had the other person to support them and they make out. So back at the house, we oh my god. Get <laughs> back at the house, we get some insights into the fact that the Elizabeth and Shanae conflict is far from over. Elizabeth decides to make some shrimp, like like 15 shrimps and offers to share it <laughs> with some of the other women. We see her being like shrimps, they're going to go fast. Shanae rushes in. She's like, finally, yeah, Elizabeth if there are is 15 shrimp. They're gonna go fast in a house full of like 23 women. <laughs> they are. But Shanae is thrilled because she's like, finally, Elizabeth is doing one nice thing for me. And that is that she made me personally some shrimps. So she proceeds to take half of them. Yeah, we see a little counter pop up with like little dangs showing her take like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shrimp. And soon all the shrimp are gone. Women are like, is there more shrimp? And Elizabeth's like, no, it's all gone already. And she realizes Shanae ate all the shrimp. Where is all this shrimp coming from? By the Like, if she's making shrimp for everyone, I'm going to criticize Elizabeth here. If she's making shrimp for everyone and there's clearly more shrimp in the house, why did she only make 15 to share with I don't know. Everyone? I guess she opened up, like, one packet of frozen <laughs> shrimp. And then we see... Later, uh, Shanae go back and make some more shrimp, which she tries to bring around to the group. And one of the little circles of women around one of the hot tubs, which includes Elizabeth, um, do not thank her as effusively as she would like. 
And she's like, I'm going to fucking get Elizabeth. Yeah. This whole, we see her in the moments being like, Elizabeth is fake. She needs to be the center of attention. I'm not like her. Also, I can make shrimp too. And this is sort of cut in before we see her making the shrimp, sort of suggesting that she wants to both be the center of attention and also prove that she is different from Elizabeth by making shrimp. And like this whole sequence was edited in a way where Very I bizarre. was deeply confused. I was like, is this actually how it unfolded? Are they editing this in a way to make it clear what all the causational points were or not? Because it doesn't feel at all clear to me that it necessarily happened that way. Right. I I was going to say, I think this could have happened over the course of many hours. And like, clearly they're they're very often cooking for each other, cooking random little things. There's a lot of downtime in the house. They all are able to request groceries and this, we we rarely see the way that they sort of divide up that labor, and we're clearly getting insight into it specifically so that they can set up this conflict. So it's a little bit confusing right. to me, but I don't know. I have to feel that, like, something happened such as, for example, everyone is kind of gossiping. We do see Elizabeth talking to some of the other women about how Shanae ate all the shrimp. The women are gossiping about it. Shanae's getting a vibe. Production is like... Shanae, some people are not super happy that you ate all the shrimp. Maybe you should you should make some shrimp to like kind of smooth things over and like you can then like be sort of part of the in crowd again. And so she makes the shrimp and it doesn't have that effect. Like people are still annoyed with her. And so she's spiraling. And it does seem to me like something that production had a hand in. Um, But instead, it's presented as this very, like, rapid fire, like, emotionally confusing conflict. And at the end, Shanae is just more angry at Elizabeth than ever. And her, her, like, grudge toward Elizabeth is just, like, really solidifying and metastasizing. I was going to say metastasizing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But back, back... In romance land, Sarah is on her night date with Clayton at a Van Gogh immersive exhibit. These are just, like, a thing now. Oh, yeah. It's, like, a whole, like, there are multiple. There's one in New York. Yeah, but I think there are multiple ones in New York, even. Oh, really? Like, it's kind of just, like, a thing now, I think, to, like, make. Because it's, like, it's Van Gogh. Like, you can, whoever can do it, right? This, This idea of making, like, an immersive light show exhibit. Um, it is a beautiful, is a- they are beautiful paintings to be immersed in. Starry Night is a classic for a reason. It's it's very like tailor-made for something like this. So finally, we arrive at, at one of them on The Bachelor. Um, it just is a very stunning setting to eat dinner in. <laughs> and so they're eating dinner in the Van Gogh ex- ex- exhibit amid the Starry Night reproductions. And... This is, in fact, when the phrase silver lining comes up, that they talk about the date as this horrible trial that they went through together. And just like the hard times that are in front of them if they if they get married. And she says the silver lining was getting to see the real Clayton and not the side that's just trying to impress girls. And this is where Sarah does her own sort of trauma dump. And you can see how how much less 
weird it feels happening in the setting of a one-on-one date than in a group setting. You know, she tells Clayton that she was adopted at birth by a white family and she is part Vietnamese, part French, part Irish. So that means she looks different from the rest of her family. She says her biological parents were 20 when they had her and just really not in a place to raise a child. And the fact that she looked different from her family, who she says really did show her a lot of love, it still just fundamentally made her feel insecure and sort of second choice. And she starts to cry as she says this. Yeah. She talks about like kind of the difficulty of, you know, knowing why her biological parents gave her up, but also still like kind of struggling with that, which is I think common. And Clayton licks his lips as he does. And he thanks her for sharing and says her story helps him understand her better. And he says, I don't want you to feel that way. And, you know, she's like, no, you're very loving and you don't judge me and you make me feel good. And then she starts crying and being like, you deserve to fall in love. You're special to me. You can always trust me. So the emotions have reached a fever pitch here after all of the challenges that they have faced and talked about uh, over the course of this date. And Clayton offers her the rose. Back at the house, the date card arrives. Gabby, Rachel, Kira, Melina, Lindsay, Sierra, Teddy, Elizabeth, and, of course, Shanae. And the card says, love's a beach. The women are thrilled. They're going to the beach. They're going to the beach. These women were born to be on the beach. I love how they were all like, maybe Shanae won't be on the date. That would be great. And I'm like, there's like seven of you. (laughs) Like, you're all going to be on the date. They didn't keep Shanae to not have her go on any group dates this week. And Elizabeth, we see her say like, oh, I hope I can come up with a fire outfit and seal the deal. Um, And Shanae is just fuming. She's like, I hate Elizabeth no Elizabeth on the group date. I can't handle this. This is awful. And, you know, sometimes in these scenes, I'm like, yeah, I would probably find that to be kind of an annoying thing to say, too. (laughs) But, you know, there's a way to handle that, and it's to try to make friends with some other people in the house and not Elizabeth. (laughs) The problem is, Sinead seems to have a very difficult time connecting with anyone. Yes, that does seem to be an issue. And the fact that she has acted so inappropriately toward Elizabeth has isolated her in the house because uh, inevitably people are going to not want to be friendly or associated with someone who acts like that to other people. Um, You know, I think they were all pretty shocked by what she said about Elizabeth's ADHD in the previous episode. And it's just, she's, she's, created a situation where she's not really in a good position to make connections. Right. But they're all going on this beach date and Clayton once again is going to have to show off that bod. I wrote Clayton is Baywatch ready in red swim trunks before I knew what the theme of the date was because in American society now we just see a red swimsuit and and we're like Baywatch. We know. (laughs) 
I've never even seen Baywatch. I was going to say, but I just even know. if you, like me, did not grow up watching the show, you just know it's, that is how ubiquitous that symbolism is in our culture. It's enduring and it's impressive. Yeah. Imagine being synonymous with a primary color piece of clothing. Um, everyone is excited to get on that beach. Melina's like, I'm going to be Sandy and get Randy. Um <laughs> So trying out some of her own narration lines. She's trying like to trying to pick up for poetry. for Kate, which I appreciated. Kira's like, it's the perfect weather for a beach day. As we pan and over like to the cloudy skies, <laughs> all of a sudden, a beautiful woman in a red swimsuit drives up on an ATV. And everyone is like faux excited because I guarantee you almost none of them knew who she was. Yeah, there's definitely a moment where, like, only Gabby is excited. And Gabby's like, I grew up watching Baywatch. And everyone else is like, oh, a woman in a swimsuit. (laughs) They're like, ah, yes, Nicole Eggert. She is the perfect person to teach us about finding love on the beach. She was on Baywatch. She is the perfect person because listen to this great insight. Being a lifeguard is a lot like being in a relationship. You have to be assertive, passionate, and a good communicator. I mean, who can argue with that? I did not. Well, I can. (laughs) I didn't know you had to do any of those things to be in a relationship or to be a lifeguard. (laughs) Lots of bad communicators are in relationships. Also a lot of passive people, frankly. And a lot of passive people. And do you have to be passionate to be a lifeguard? Is that a job requirement? I, I, I never had that understanding previously, but maybe I've been misinformed. The, the the lifeguards at my public pool growing up were just like very bored, bored high school teenagers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they never did anything. Um, not to say that lifeguards are not very important, but On I do Baywatch, question this analogy. They have passion, On- Claire, and that is the the background that Nicole Eggert is coming from. She was not at any community pool. Okay. No, that's true. That's true. Uh, so they learn that they're we all going to We weren't to getting be, the cream of the crop. Sorry. <laughs> they learn that they're going to be engaging in a little bit of competition for extra time with Clayton. And this means that they need to put on their Baywatch-approved uniforms, the classic red one piece, and do some very silly little challenges. First, they have to all like master the slow-mo run and run down the beach to Clayton yeah. But first, they do put on sunscreen, and I, I, I just want to mention this moment because Melina like falls all over herself to be like, "I'll be with you, Clayton," and to like lather him up with sunscreen, and then Shanae comes by to just dab some right on his nipples, and is like, "I really want your just your nipples to be protected," and. Rachel's like, she's so aggressive with Clayton's body. It's uncomfortable. And I was like, you're all being aggressive with Clayton's body. Like, these are the kind of moments where I do feel a little sympathy for Shanae, where I'm like, they're all doing shit like this. This is the like, problem. Melina was literally like, let me smear it all over you. And Shanae is doing a flirty little thing to get in on that. And they're like, oh, my God. She's like being so gross. The problem is that once you have set everyone against you, it's quite hard to recover, especially when you're then making the the arguably necessary moves to get the attention of the lead. I had jumped ahead a little bit. So the, the <laughs> Baywatch uh, run competition happens a little later. First, they do some CPR on a dummy. And I honestly appreciated that they all took it 
in an extremely sensual direction. Nicole Eggert is like, what is happening? This is not about sex positions. But at least the women seem to be having fun. And more importantly, Clayton doesn't care whether they're good at doing CPR because he's turned on. He's like, I would love to get CPR from these sexy ladies with their butts in the air. Like, he doesn't doesn't need someone to give him CPR at this exact moment. So it's not relevant. That is true. The dummy is made of plastic. So I think it's fine. (laughs) This is when they do the slow-mo runs down the beach. And Shanae is like, I'm going to go for it. She... She doesn't quite run. I'd say she she saunters in Clayton's direction and then Ho- hope he's not drowning. <laughs> just jumps right into his arms, which is a good move, and then decides to engage in an extensive makeout session while everyone else is watching. It was unclear to me how long it was. They make it seem like it lasted like five to ten minutes. It could have been it was probably like seconds. thirty seconds. Yeah. And, you know, we the, they have the music that's playing kind of audibly grind to a halt to make it clear that this is like an awkward moment. We see Elizabeth in her in the moment saying like, oh, the kiss was so awkward. Um, she's endeared him, herself to him through showing her strong, aggressive personality. I hope it becomes clear to him what kind of character is here. And so it's clear that this kiss has rubbed Elizabeth the wrong way, but it could have been like three seconds and it would have rubbed Elizabeth the wrong way. Meanwhile, Shanae is like, I don't know if Elizabeth saw the kiss. I hope that she did. And I'm like, of course she saw it. She was like right there. And also, why why are you so obsessed with Elizabeth? Who cares? Who cares? This dynamic is very bizarre. It's like, why are you so obsessed with me? (laughs) I honestly felt Uh, that way. Very bizarre. No, no, she is, like, deeply obsessed with Elizabeth in a way that is starting to get a little bit confusing. Um, and she thinks, however, that she has locked a win with this kiss. And instead, Nicole announces that the winner is Gabby, who has been having a lot of fun with the sensual poses and goofy moves during the challenges. Shanae is livid. She feels that she has been wrong. She did not get the time that she was entitled to. And on that note, we're going to take a quick break. Can you keep up? I like love If you want to bring coziness into your life, uh, and I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> Turn to Barefoot Dreams, especially right now, because the brand is celebrating their 30th anniversary. With those 30 years of coziness, Barefoot Dreams celebrates being the originators of everyone's favorite Lux home blanket. There's a reason why Barefoot Dreams has been on Oprah's favorite things list six times. Dressing head to toe in Barefoot Dreams is the key to comfort, as their collection of ultra-soft robes, loungewear, and accessories are made with premium materials. And their products make the perfect gifts, too. I would certainly love to be given something from Barefoot Dreams. I just acquired the robe, and it is like the softest robe I have ever put on my body. It's so cozy. It's so warm. It's beautiful. It has a nice drape and weight to it. I wear it whenever I have the opportunity. I just want to wear it constantly. And I think everyone should have that kind of comfort and coziness in their lives. For Love to See It with Emma and Claire listeners, you can get 15% off of your first purchase at barefootdreams.com 
with the code LTSI15. Don't miss out on Barefoot Dreams' soft, soothing fabrics that will bring luxury to your life. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list, as they should, because it's very important. If that's you, then make this year the year you finally check it off your list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Wow, that is really fast. Their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language... Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. I personally used Babbel before I headed off to Paris for three weeks, and it was so helpful just kind of giving me back the basic understanding of French, allowing me to interact with people in restaurants, in shops, and, you know, just not make a total fool of myself when in a foreign country. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And we're back. And... After the day date on the beach, the night date is at Clifton's Cabinet of Curiosities, which I did Google because they lingered on the sign, so it worked. And it is sort of a historical eatery uh, that has been around for a long time that is decorated in like a redwood forest theme with a lot of like taxidermied animals and... Yeah, it looked kind of interesting, actually. I'm like, I do, maybe I do want to go there. <laughs> um, there's like a whole redwood tree, like going through multiple floors of it. Yeah, it actually does look pretty cool. It used to be like a cafeteria style place, but I think now it's more like a cocktail thing. Anyway, let's let's move on. They all go in in their night outfits, and Lindsay is like, I have PTSD from the last group date. <laughs> And I hope that there's no drama tonight. And Clayton comes in in a black leather jacket. He's getting adventurous. <laughs> He's like, what? He's this like, old thing? Whatever. With- just just call me Danny Zuko. Okay. <laughs> Grease lightning, baby. The, I say this um, not to be mean to Clayton, but, it you know, just to empathize. I felt, looking at Clayton... Like, the way that I feel personally when I wear a black leather jacket, which is, like, a lot of people make this look so natural, but why doesn't it, why does it just, like, not quite work on me? You know? It's, like, we're good-looking people. We can wear a black leather jacket, but, like, it's just not sitting right. It doesn't look comfortable. But all the women are ready to tell him otherwise uh, and be like, oh, my God, I love you in leather. So what do I know? And he toasts, let the games begin. He hangs out with Rachel first. I'd sort of forgotten about Rachel, but they've they've had a vibe. I think she's going to be a major player, but she's a little bit more of a slow burn. 
Yeah. I bet she gets um, a one-on-one soon. I think she will too, yeah. She does a similar thing to Teddy, actually, which is she uses her time to sort of tease him about, like, not giving her enough validation. She's like, are you playing hard to get? Like, we haven't talked in a while. And I'm, like, hearing from other women, like, oh, I'm getting so much great validation from Clayton. And, like, I don't know what to think because, like, I'm not getting it. And Clayton, like, this really works on Clayton. Clayton is not the guy who's going to be annoyed that you are, like, asking for more attention from him. He welcomes it. So he's like, don't worry about that. (laughs) He's like, don't worry about that. And he says something interesting. He's like, I learned on my season that people were usually talking themselves up. Like people come back and be like, oh, Michelle's, Michelle and I are really on just like a great thing. We're doing so well. And they were just like full of it. <laughs> and she says, well, I think our connection is different from the others. And he says, you are correct. He's like, it, it is different in the sense that it's with you <laughs> and not with the other women. So, yes, it is I different. I did get that vibe. I did get that vibe where he was like, well, thank God I know the answer to this correct. one. Correct. It's It's definitely definitely different. different. (laughs) That's an easy one. Um, And they talk just about how good they feel together and they make out. And after this, Rachel says that Clayton, quote, makes her feel like the only girl there. Rachel, the the bar is low. She literally was like, I feel like he's forgotten about me. And they have one conversation. And she's like, you know what the thing about Clayton is? He just makes me feel like there's no other girl in the world. (laughs) He did that in our five minute conversation. He hangs out with Gabby and is like, I didn't know you had that fun, quirky side to you. And she's like, oh, it's interesting because that's really my most visible side. And in fact, I have a hard time (laughs) getting people to understand that I have other sides to me. But glad we're getting to know each other. (laughs) He's like, wait, really? Like, I... Uh, She then proves this yet again by having him take off his shirt to put aloe on his very visible side. I really like Gabby. She's just, she's good vibes. Yeah, she's fun. Um, And they make out with aloe slithering between their bodies. Then it's time for Shanae to just completely explode this group date. She sits with Clayton And she's like, look, I like what I see in you. So anyway, Elizabeth, (laughs) I don't like what I see in her. Uh, She's like, I'm here to be honest and vulnerable with you. So here's the thing. Elizabeth is still on my back. We didn't actually squash things last week like I thought. I'm feeling bullied in the house. When Elizabeth is around, some people don't talk to me. But when she's not around, they're like, Shanae, Shanae, Shanae. And she starts crying and is like, I sometimes I just don't even want to be here, but I do see a connection and I don't want to see someone be a liar and a bully and toxic to ruin that. Bully is like the magic word in these kind of No one wants to marry a bully. Yeah. It's the Courtney Robertson tale, too. Like, no one wants to marry the bully in the house. Um, and so Clayton doesn't know how to handle this so he's like well i'm sorry to hear that but i don't really want to talk about it (laughs) he's like i don't want it to take away from us and shanae's like of course let's move on and they make out but she correctly observes that 
her main goal of destroying Elizabeth has likely been furthered by this conversation. Yes, we have a clip. Oh my God. You believe me? I have him. Trust me. I know I have him. I needed that again. <sighs> I was good. Like, I was good. Holy <laughs> that was good. And I didn't mean to cry, but I cried. <laughs> as long as, like, you're in good spirits, like, I want to keep it that way. Like, I've never felt so confident and happier. Elizabeth. Her energy makes me so nervous. Yeah, weird vibes. I mean, these in the moments that she gives, I'm like, what is she doing giving them material that really does make it sound like she is cynically, strategically going in with a plan to put on a performance that will get Elizabeth in trouble. Yeah, I mean, I believe some of these are a little bit chopped up, but she gave them a lot to work with. Yeah, like, it's entirely possible that she went in and was talking about things in a different spirit or talking about something else even, and it was clipped together. But, like, this is really making it sound strategic and she's made other in the moment comments that are the same that are like i'm here to win it's okay to have drama if you need to win am i just supposed to let her get away with it <laughs> like it's like uh, it's really sounding very manipulative and and that's why it is hard to have sympathy even though sometimes i do see moments where i'm like that would be hard for shanae in the house like i can't understand how this might be very frustrating for shanae as well but also frustrating, I think, for Elizabeth, who is about to have her time with Clayton and hopes to really just talk about herself and maybe not Shanae for the first time in a while. And immediately Clayton brings it up. He's like, Shanae is really feeling bullied in the house. And when you're around, you know, she's being frozen out by the others. She feels her mental health is wavering. And he's like, I just want your side. So Elizabeth says, you can speak with anyone in the house and you'll hear that's not something I'm doing. There's nothing I have against her or anybody. I've been kind to her in the house. I made her lunch the other day, which is sort of true, but in the way where it's like, did you mean to make her lunch? You're like, that is technically correct, though. And then and she's then she yeah. starts getting emotional and, and crying almost out of frustration. And this to me did feel very genuine because I can imagine it being so frustrating when you think like, okay, I moved past something. I'm going to get to just have a conversation that's mine with this person. And then all of a sudden you're back in a defensive position and there's not really anything that you can say to clear yourself of this kind of allegation. Yeah. And the weird thing too about either being in a position where everyone in the house is bullying one person or having one person make such an allegation incorrectly is that asking someone in the house isn't going to tell you much if they're all in on it, right? right. Um, and so, you know, that can put you in a position if you've been unfairly zeroed in on of not having anyone to corroborate your story, but it can also make corroboration seem completely meaningless. So she's like, ask anyone. And I don't think that Clayton thinks at this point that that will really achieve anything. 
Um, but also, I don't think Clayton knows what to do. Like, he's like, they both seem sincere. I don't know what's going on. So finally, he says to Elizabeth, can you just, like, hash it out with Sinead? Like, I'd really appreciate it. I think it would be, like, good for everyone if this were over. And Elizabeth is like, okay. <laughs> like, she would probably really like it if this weren't happening anymore either. <laughs> so the question is, like, what does that look like? Um, and it's really in Shanae's interest to not have it hashed out because Clayton has not, at this point, kind of put it to Shanae that he feels it's her responsibility to end this. He's treating this sort of like... This is Elizabeth's problem. Elizabeth's problem. And so Elizabeth goes to tell the other women what happened, and they are shocked deeply. She's like, I heard from Clayton... He said, like, you're hurting Shanae's mental health. And Gabby is like, did he hear what she said about your mental health? And it seems like Elizabeth has not brought that up. I was going to say, it's kind of notable to me that Elizabeth hasn't, up to this point, really weaponized what Shanae said about her. Yeah, Elizabeth is really going more with the approach of just being like, I've been really kind to her and it's hard to have her keep quest like coming to you and saying bad things about me that I have to defend myself against. But she's not bringing up many, in many instances, other things that Shanae has done other than the part where she goes to Clayton. And I think that is in certain ways a tactical decision. She doesn't want to get down in the muck, but it's like sh- there's no good tactical way out yeah. of it at this point. So like, why not? Why not throw it out there and let Clayton see? At this point, it's like you know, they're both what might they're be both happening. kind of tainted. So yeah. Lindsay then arrives, looking weepy, sits down and says, "Does anyone here think I bullied Shanae? Because that's what my conversation with Clayton was about. Have I been a bully?" And all the women are like, no, oh my God, like what's Lindsay going on? Lindsay looks genuinely like deeply confused. Lindsay looks like she's been called to the principal's <laughs> yeah. office and like had someone be like, we think you cheated on Which the again test. is, is like, energy like, I can relate to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, this is when Shanae finally Shanae- comes back and Sierra is like so can you explain to the group you said you were bullied? Like, please say more about this. Like, yeah, like, why would you, what What rose to the level yeah, of Yeah, what, what do Clayton? you consider bullying? And Shanae can't and really define I love this. what Shanae says, actually. She's like, I only said a couple of names because those are the people that have been hurting me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. I mean, do you want a medal? (laughs) And then everyone's like, okay, so how have these people, including the two right here, hurt you? And Shanae is like, Elizabeth, you're not nice enough to me. You don't show enough interest in me, essentially. Yeah. Elizabeth is like, we're all nice to you. I'm nice to you. And Shanae's like, well, do you come up and talk to me like a normal person? And Elizabeth is like, why would I do that when, like, you, like, were so distrustful of me and really turned on me and went to like she's like why would I want to cultivate a friendship with you like an an active friendship where I go up to you and start conversations this is where I lose Shanae I have empathy for her 
to the extent that I think it sucks to feel like you're on the outs with a group. On the other hand, yeah. if you are cruel to people and use their like neurodivergence against them and then actively seem to seek out destroying their reputation to the person you're all dating, like it is not that person's responsibility to be anything more than cordial to you. Yeah, I think that that's right. I mean, it's really Elizabeth. It's hard to say what she really could have done differently. I mean, she's like, you know, I've been nothing but kind and respectful, even after a conversation when you were very unkind and disrespectful to me. And Shanae is like, well, people just like bully me when you're around. She can't define how. And I think that it's true that Shanae is probably picking up on the fact that people have picked sides and they've chosen Elizabeth. And so they don't really want to be close with her. And they especially, when Elizabeth is around, want to make it clear to Elizabeth that they support her. Like, that just seems like human nature to me. In this shrimp scene, we do sort of see that they're not, like, super friendly to her. And in the brief clips that we see. But that just, like, I believe it because it makes sense. Right. That's the problem. Like, it seems like Shanae threw Elizabeth under the bus because she wanted to have a story about being bullied in the house on that date with Z-Way. And, like, turned that into a thing about how Elizabeth is bullying her just to have, like, some shit to talk about, about how she's the victim. And ever since then, all she's done is draw Elizabeth into conflicts and then being really insensitive and cruel to her, sharing her personal medical information with everyone else. Just because you are disliked more doesn't mean that you're being bullied. Right. Like, like that's I'm sorry. Like, it must be very difficult. But, like, you can't... It. I try to imagine being Elizabeth or one of the other women and being in this position where someone who has been so hurtful to someone else in the house is still there. And I would want to keep my distance. And want to keep my distance. And yeah, maybe sometimes talk about it. Like, talk about, like, how hurtful it was, what she did. Or, oh, she did another thing that seems really inconsiderate. And it can be super uncomfortable to be talked about that way and to be distanced from the group because of that. But that's because you did something so unpleasant and awful to someone there. They don't trust you anymore. They don't like you. Like, that's that's not something that can be resolved by demanding that they have to be friends with you or they're proving that they're actually the bullies that you originally claimed they were. So this kind of just escalates into a little, like, spat and Elizabeth is like, well, if you want to spend your time with Clayton talking about me and Clayton, Shanae is like, you're the last person that's on my mind. I don't think about Again, you. And Elizabeth is like, untrue. <laughs> okay, clearly untrue. She's like, I'm clearly the only person on your mind when you talk to him. I'm all you talk about. And they kind of finally reach ahead in this conflict and stop talking. And Clayton arrives to give the group date rose. And he gives it to Gabby. For tro- showing her true self on the date. <laughs> for finally showing that goofy side that she's been keeping in reserve <laughs> for week three. No one could have ever guessed that about her. And Shanae is just disgusted that she gets the rose for acting like, I'm going to say she said, like, 
acting like a 12-year-old cheerleader. Yes. Or something like that. Um, so again, showing super likable energy here. And then Clayton says, also, a lot was brought to me today that was frustrating and it needs to be handled. So I am going to address it tomorrow at the cocktail party. Great move, Clayton. Way to make everyone feel very secure. I, too, like to decide to handle something very important and urgent later and then and end the night it and publicly. go to bed and announce it publicly. And this is where Shanae, who is just completely thrilled because she's like, this means Elizabeth's going to go. And she decides to, again, use her ADHD as an insult and say, she's not going to make me lose because of her lying ADHD ass, which, again, is a really gross thing to say. Yeah. Oh, Shanae has been making it really difficult to have any sympathy for her. Sierra actually um, says to the camera, no one's bullying her. We just don't like her. And frankly, I think that kind of gets to the center of it. Yeah. I mean, you're left with this question of like, how do you not bully someone that you are forced to be around all the time and you don't want to be friends with them if not being friends with them counts as bullying? It's like you don't have to really like do anything much affirmative to be bullying her. But like, so then are you obligated to be close and friendly with someone who has been so unkind and offensive? I, I just, I can't sign on to that. Um, so this was a, and I think that like maybe in the past, someone would be hesitant to bring that to Clayton because if you're playing the I'm not here to make friends girl, you generally don't want to also talk about the other women with Clayton. You know, you're just like, well, they don't like me. That's fine. I'm not here for them. I'm just going to focus on Clayton when I'm with Clayton. And she is being both the tattletale and the not here to make friends girl. And who would want who would want to hang out with it? Like, it just seems like... It seems like an intentionally off-putting role. Um, so that's where we're left. We don't get a rose ceremony at the end of this episode. Um, but they are both, Elizabeth and Shanae, both heavily featured in the teaser for next week. So I have a feeling that this next rose ceremony will not squash the beef. We may even be headed for a two-on-one, which has not been such a staple in the last couple of seasons. But... If they are returning to classic form with this season, then at least give us a two-on-one. At least one of them must be left on a desolate island um, as snow falls on their bikini-clad body, you know, for me to truly feel like I'm watching a season of exactly. The Bachelor. Exactly. I feel the same way. <laughs> for love to see it hate to see it first up love to see it which we we don't have a lot of first we love to see women like sarah and gabby who seem to be having a genuinely good time it's just like nice to see some women having fun and not 
just being traumatized on this show. Yeah. And we also do, speaking of trauma, love to see the show giving trigger warnings to audiences when there is content, sensitive content uh, on the dates and happy that they that they did that at least. But on that note, we hate to see forced group trauma dumps. Hate it. That was really brutal. So brutal. Not a good format for a date. Yeah. In my humble Like opinion. you tried it twice. We get it. Please stop doing this. Please stop. Another thing we hate to see is Clayton using a friends with benefits situation as an excuse to send Cassidy home. It's really gross. It's sexist. Like, let women live and fuck casually. Please. We hate to see just the uncomfortable reality, I think, that a lot of time on this episode was devoted to body issues and fat phobia and the pain that that causes. But that the show itself is deeply fatphobic and exclusionary to people who aren't super thin. And so, you know, the show is mining that for emotional pain and bonding and sympathy, but is not reckoning with the many very real ways in which it's perpetuating that and hurting people, especially who are fat um, and will never appear on the show. We also hate to see forced nudity especially in public it's unnecessary again just a thing that uh i would prefer they stopped doing uh hate to see shanae again invoking elizabeth's neurodivergence as an insult like again like she thinks it's funny and cute she's going it's not cute hate it and finally we hate to see shanae hijacking the term bullying to sort of take down Elizabeth and Lindsay and get ahead with Clayton. Bullying is a real thing. And I think that when we just completely divorce terms from their intended meaning, we really weaken them. And uh, yeah, hate to see it. And now it's time for this episode's rating, Tailgate Energy out of 10 Bud Lights. And, you know, I think we're going a little lower this week. I feel like maybe a four. Yeah, four feels right. You know, we we had a lot of really big emotional talks this week. Not a thing traditionally associated with a tailgate. (laughs) However, I do very much associate hazing and streaking with tailgate culture. Um, And so I do think that there's a very real presence there. Uh, You know, we still continue to see Clayton doing a good amount of coach talk, but not quite as much as last episode. So we're going to keep an eye on that as the season continues. And that's it for Love to See It with Emma and Claire. Love to See It is produced by us, Claire Fallon and Emma Gray and Stitcher. This episode was edited by Tamika Weatherspoon. Our theme music is by Tamar Haviv and our art is by Celine Chang. Josephine Martirana is our executive producer. If you like the show, please follow us, rate five stars and leave a review. And of course, help us spread the word about our show, especially to any of your friends who used to listen to us as Here to Make Friends. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at clarenemmapod at gmail.com with your questions and voice memos. We might even feature you in a mailbag episode. You can also find us on Twitter at love to see it pod and Instagram at Claire and Emma pod. And you can find our newsletter, Rich Text, on Substack. 
at claireandemma.substack.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap the next part of Clayton's beautiful journey. Can you keep up? I like love it. Stitcher. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 7. My trip to South Dakota was the best summer ever. Now I don't need to go to Mars because I've been to the Badlands. And I caught a bigger walleye than Dad when we went to the Missouri River. Then I rode my bike through these huge rocks called needles. Ooh, I also saw my first herd of bison, even a fuzzy furry baby one. I can't wait to go back and see more. There's so much South Dakota. So little time. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes there will be something that is just like nagging at me, bothering me about something in my life, and I just swirl it around and around and around in my head and don't quite know how to address it. And something that can really help me sort that through and like take action is therapy. I completely agree. I've been really stressed lately because I've just been getting sick over and over again. And before I know it, I'm feeling a lot of emotions and I don't even connect where they're coming from with the actual origin. We all carry around these stressors, right? And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a great safe space to get things off of your chest and figure out how to actually work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash love to see it today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash love to see it.